Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Zamprin. What does the future of the British monarchy look like? The Hamilton Chamber of Commerce has a new boss. Comedian Jerry D is going to make Hamiltonians laugh this week. Get in line for your smile cookies. Many people will be walking a mile in their shoes in Hamilton. And how many friends can you truly count on? The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. As we approach the mourning period following the death of Queen Elizabeth II, countries across the British Commonwealth and beyond are watching each event that unfolds leading up to the Queen's funeral at Westminster Abbey. On Friday, our new king made his first public address following his mother's death, and it was a heartfelt message. But questions do remain as to how the death of the longest-serving British monarch will impact the royal family, the monarchy, and even the Commonwealth. Here to talk about all this is Justin Volk, PhD candidate in early modern history at McMaster University. Justin, good morning. Thanks for joining us today. Good morning. Thank you for having me. First off, let's get your, your thoughts on the Queen's passing and her reign and the impact that she had. Well, on a personal level, I, I have to tell you that it, it struck me harder than I thought it would. I I couldn't figure out why my face felt funny when I got the news until I realized I, I had tears streaming down my face. I just, I wasn't prepared for it. And that's something I'm hearing from a lot of people I talk to around the world. They just, they're just getting this visceral emotional reaction. We all knew it was coming. Uh, there was very much this sense of from her diamond or platinum jubilee, excuse me, uh, earlier this year that it was, it was the end of an era. But things seemed quiet. I don't think anyone expected it right now. So it's it's the the expected unexpected that's really kind of taking everyone by surprise. I think her funeral. I was just thinking about this with you know the the advent of social media, especially, but with many different ways to watch things nowadays. Her funeral may be the most watched event in the history of the world. It's that is a an absolutely fascinating prospect as a royal historian. It, I love that idea. I feel like that might be really hard to gauge. But I think if we're going to talk about the importance of the fact that it's being televised, something I think listeners can take away from this is the fact that this is going to be the first time that people around the world are going to be able to watch this event the the accessibility of the internet on our phones on our tvs on our computers means that we will have millions of people around the world watching this event in ways that audiences have never seen a royal funeral before our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Justin Vogt, PhD candidate in early modern history at McMaster University. And we're talking about the Queen's passing and, well, what happens next. And to that effect, while meeting with UK Prime Minister Liz Truss on Friday, the King was heard saying the Queen's death was, quote, the moment I've been dreading, as I know a lot of people have. What kind of pressure awaits the British monarchy's longest ever heir in waiting? I couldn't even begin to imagine the sense of of weight and history and responsibility he has been feeling for years leading up to this day. 
and now it's finally here. He is go is being expected to lead the country through the death of one of the most popular monarchs in history. At the same time, leading his family in mourning of this profound personal loss. He's also got to lead Britain and the Commonwealth amidst a series of unprecedented crises, the pandemic, war in Europe, inflation, climate crisis. And he's also still, still dealing with those haters who still resent him from for what happened with Diana. It's not like it used to be, but he has all of these things coming to bear on his shoulders right now. Yeah, it is certainly not going to be easy. In his first public address after the Queen's death, Charles pledged to uphold the constitutional principles at the heart of our nation and serve with loyalty, respect, and love. It, it's certainly not going to be anywhere close to the longevity that Queen Elizabeth II uh, had enjoyed, but what kind of head of state do you think Charles is going to be? I think Charles is going to be better than most people think. He is a highly intelligent, well-informed, possibly one of the best educated monarchs of the modern era. And I think he's too smart to do something stupid. I think he's aware that he has to strike this tremendously delicate balance, and it was reflected in his speech, of honoring his mother's tradition, realizing that people are not going to be able to necessarily transfer their affection from her to him at the drop of a hat, but at the same time, still wanting to make the monarchy modern, show people that it has a place in the modern world, and make it an institution that is eco-friendly, it's sustainable, it's not as much of a burden financially on the British people. So this is all stuff he's been working out in his head for years, and I think he's going to do okay with it. Last one for you, Justin. The uh, next heir in line is William. He and his wife, Kate, are now the Prince and Princess of Wales. What challenges are ahead for the royal family itself? Just even trying to wrap my head around the fact that William and Kate are the Prince and Princess <laughs> of Wales is, is a big one. Um, I think the biggest challenges they're going to face are the ones that they're already dealing with. The issues around the relationship with Harry and Meghan, which I think Charles had done a really good job of, of including them in his speech in a very affectionate way. I think we are going to see the royal family streamlined. This is something we're seeing in other European monarchies where they're cutting down the number of titled royals who are carrying out functions, who are getting paid by the government. So I think we are going to see a more cost-efficient, streamlined, you could almost say budget economy form of the monarchy. And this is something Charles has been really vocal about. So I think it's going to be that combined with really working to get his own personal family in order. It's going to be fascinating to watch, and we certainly are doing so uh, with heavy hearts at this time. Justin, really appreciate your time today. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. Justin Voke is a Ph.D. candidate in early modern history at McMaster University, offering some insights into the life and legacy of Queen Elizabeth II and some of the challenges that lie ahead for King Charles III and the royal family. Queen Elizabeth's coffin is in Scotland today at St. Giles Cathedral.
And that is the first chance for members of the public to pay their respects. The Queen will return to London tomorrow. And one week from today, September 19th, is going to be the Queen's funeral at Westminster Abbey. You will be able to listen to the proceedings live right here on 900 CHML. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Here's a name for you, Greg Dunnett. Well, he is the new president of the Hamilton Chamber of Commerce. Um, Let's talk to him about his new role and what he plans to do to help this city move forward. Greg, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great, Rick. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. Why take on this role? What's what's your vision? Oh, it's a great question. Um, I grew up here and have lived here almost my whole life. I uh, went to Mac, uh, raised in a family in Dundas, and I just I love this city. I think it's such a great place to live and a great place to work. Uh, spent a lot of time working at the Tirecast organization and with Forge and running the Great Cup and a whole bunch of community engagement roles. And I think when I kind of look forward coming off a great cup, you know, this, I think we're on the precipice of something amazing in this city, truly transformative time. And we're, it's, it was this role specifically was a great way to help make a positive impact on growing our community and moving it forward. So, um, with Keenan leaving to run for mayor, it just opened up a, an opportunity and applied and was lucky enough to be trusted by the board with the role. And so, find myself here today. Um, I think to answer the vision question, I mean, that's, I think that for this to be a great place to work, it also needs to be a great place to live. So how can we help improve the community while simultaneously help growing the business community? Um, and so that what I want to do is immediately start engaging with our members, our community partners to figure out where they need help now and how we can position the city to maximize that positive impact going forward. And so that's kind of where I'm at. I'm gonna spend my first 90 to 180 days engaging with as many people in our community as possible to make sure that that vision aligns with what our membership needs. Whenever a organization gets a new leader, that individual wants to put their own stamp on the organization. To that end, do you have short-term goals? Are there long-term goals? Have you thought about these things? Oh, definitely. Um, I think, you know, I think short-term, again, it is very much trying to figure out how to help the business community. The pandemic has been incredibly difficult. Um, inflation has been, been impacted all of our business and personal lives. And, um, you know, I think we've seen across our community and across the country, uh, there's, you know, there's been a, uh, a skills gap that has been created by the pandemic and, and new requirements. Um, so I want to come in, make sure we can help fill that talent pipeline, um, have friends in healthcare. You know, we, you know, there's, we need more staff there to help make sure our healthcare system continues to function at a high level. And then, you know, the workplace best practices have uh, need to be, you know, improved across all businesses to create a more inclusive work environment. So those are those are areas where I'm going to kind of look at in the short term and make a, a quick positive impact. And then, um, having worked on a lot of major projects like Great Cup, Building Forge FC, uh, I think trying to help ensure the long-term projects like LRT and the entertainment district are amazing as well. So taking that project management experience and applying it to those roles, I think I can make a positive impact as well. We're chatting with the new president of the Hamilton Chamber of Commerce on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Greg Dunnett, who uh, joins us on the show today. Um, 
Hamilton has proven to be a good place to establish a business. Look around the community. There's so many businesses that are thriving, even post-pandemic, if we can call it that. But can we be better? Are there opportunities to even get bigger and better in this city? I th- I, I think so, Rick. I really do. And I, I think that's, I mean, the it's not just the business community, but it's Hamilton as a whole. Like, we're, we're a hardworking, gritty community, right? We, uh, we like to keep working hard we we earn we work to earn what we earn and i think that you know that's where hopefully my past experience can directly apply to that to help those small businesses help them grow um i've worked on a lot of startup projects so i've got an entrepreneurial spirit so you know maybe coming in and looking at things a little differently and help helping some of our small businesses look at new opportunities and grow and and help make a positive impact on the city we're also going to see tremendous growth in our city over the next 20 30 years how can we put in programs that are going to help ensure we've got the business infrastructure in place to provide the services needed for the growing community and that's again long term that's what i hope we can make a positive impact on this community we got 90 seconds you mentioned the skills gap the the lack of skilled workers be it in healthcare, be it in construction even workers in general that has to be the biggest or at least one of the biggest challenges ahead How, how do we address that yeah, that's a great question. I, I don't. I think at this point, I, I don't know if I have the exact answer, so I, I don't want to go on the record saying something that um, won't come true. So I think again, like I said, I'm going to try and very quickly get in contact with McMaster and Mohawk and both public school boards, and I try to identify ways that we public and Catholic school boards, and try and figure out ways that we can make a you know help start. So how can businesses support those programs and, and, and close it together as quickly as possible? What can we do to help? How can we amplify solutions so that it's a shorter term problem than a longer term problem? And I think that's where I'll go. And I think that, like I said, you know, first 180 days is going to be just trying to identify ways for us to quickly make a positive impact on growing the business community. Just before we go, the um, as we know, the former chamber CEO running for mayor on October 24th. Does the chamber plan to support one particular candidate? No, I don't think so. Not at this point, especially with Keenan running. I think it's uh, it's important for us to stay on the sidelines. But uh, you know, I think who, whomever the mayor ends up being, we will we will work with them uh, very positively going forward. Well said, Greg. Appreciate the time today. Best of luck on the new job. Thank you very much, Rick, and have a great day. You too. Greg Dunnett is the new president of the Hamilton Chamber of Commerce. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. I was at a comedy show, uh, say a couple months ago, and it was the best thing because, you know, over the last couple of years, we've been through a lot. And at that time, me particular, I'm sure you're in the same boat, could use a good laugh. Well, there's going to be lots of laughs coming up later on this week in Hamilton. First Ontario Concert Hall will be the place to be Thursday night because Canadian comedic superstar Jerry D is coming to down. He's bringing his cross-country comedy show, Jerry D, alone on a stage to First Ontario Concert Hall. And hopefully we'll see you there. We're giving away tickets to the show this week. Joining us now on Good Morning Hamilton is Mr. D himself, Jerry D. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Fantastic. Not only are you a comedian, you're also the host of the super popular Family Feud Canada, which me and my family enjoy and and love you as the host. So thanks for coming on the show today. About this show, Jerry D. Alone on a Stage, what's it about? 
You know, it's just really an updated version of my stand-up, uh, sort of mixed in with some stuff, you know, that I, you know, it's kind of, comedians are always trying to figure out, do I do all new stuff, do I mix it in? And I've always found you mix in some old with some new, and you get a new audience every time, most of the time. So, yeah, it's really just uh, my stand-up comedy performance. You've been on uh, a few stages so far on this tour. It must be nice to be back on stage performing again. 100%. Yeah, that's, uh, as you said, we, we can all use a laugh. It's, it's been a, a tough couple of years for everybody for different reasons. And, uh, yeah, it's a nice hour and a half, two hours to just kind of unwind and forget about stuff and hopefully laugh. So uh, I look forward to getting out. It's kind of where my career started and, yeah, I'm excited to get back. I always love coming to Hamilton. Aside from hosting Family Feud Canada, how have you kept busy over the last uh, couple of years? Yeah, I've been just trying to stay fresh with my stand-up and write. You know, my kids are growing up quick and, and uh, trying to enjoy that as much as I can. And, you know, sports has helped a lot with that, keeping them busy when we've been able to do that. So things are starting to get back to normal. And, uh, yeah, we're just enjoying getting back to the regular routine. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Jerry D, comedian, host of Family Feud Canada. He's bringing his show, Jerry D, alone on a stage to Hamilton's first Ontario concert hall this Thursday night. For tickets and other tour dates, you can go online to jerryd.com. Do your kids get in on the fun as well in, in, in terms of, hey, Dad, you know, this would be a great joke? <laughs> well, no. I, you know, <laughs> I don't even know if my son knows what I do. He's nine and I just go out the door and say I'm going to work and care less. So, um, no, they're probably more the brunt of the jokes. And uh, my daughter's getting older, the 15 year old. So she just, I, I think she's just starting to stumble across my material. So um, I got to be ready because there's a lot of stuff in there about her when she was little and <laughs> things like that. So, but they, they have a good sense of humor. Um, you know, they get. They get what I do, but I think my son, who's nine, is just not aware of what I do, which is kind of funny to me. You were a uh, real-life teacher at one point. How did you get into comedy? Yeah, I just kind of always had a a desire to try it, and I eventually did, and it stuck. I mean, it was really one of those things where a lot of people have things in the back of their mind they, you know, wanted to try or were good at, and I was fortunate I could make people laugh, and I just... I had, a, I had a friend trying it, and we went to an amateur night. You know, that, that's how it kind of started. Just wasn't a passion as a kid or anything. I just uh, got later in my life. I was 30 when I started, and, uh, yeah, it was just always something in the back of my mind, and, and, you know, probably since I was 22, 23, and finally tried it. It took a long time, but I finally tried it. Did you kill it that first night, or was no, it more God, of the... <laughs> the opposite, like, like the worst... The worst imaginable bomb you could imagine. It really? was a disaster. It's, I had a musical bit, and they forgot to play the tape, and I was sweat dripping. I was five minutes. It felt like an hour. It was terrible. <laughs> so what drew you back on the stage after that experience? I think just the competitive nature of me that thought, I can't, I can't be how it ends. Like, I, I at least got to have some, you know, some remote laughter. I have to get something out of this, and... um so I just went again, and I knew it wasn't going to be easy, but I didn't know it would go that bad. 
Well, it's it's gone very well uh, in in the ensuing years. That is for sure. We're chatting with Jerry D, comedian, host of Family Feud Canada. He is bringing his cross country comedy show, Jerry D, alone on a stage to Hamilton's first Ontario concert hall this Thursday night. For tickets and other tour dates, go online to jerryd.com. When would you say you figured it out? I don't think I've figured it out still. Like it's it's always an ongoing learning process to you know, try to figure out how you can master it. So I'm kind of like golf, I guess. Like, I don't think a golfer, a golf a lot ever figures it out. I think you're always striving to get better. So, I mean, my third set, when I started, I got a, a laugh and that was it. Once I got, once I made a couple hundred people in a room laugh at something I said, I, that feeling was, was what drove me back for sure. It was trying to find more of those. And then you're constantly chasing that. How do I, you know, how do I make people laugh for five minutes? How do I make them laugh for 20? How do I make them laugh for an hour? Um, you know, even Thursday, I'll come. I'll do an hour, an hour, 10, hour, 20 minutes. I have a great opener from Hamilton, Mace Coloni, who's a young comic that I've followed. I started at 15, and he's from Hamilton, so he's opening. He's hilarious, too. And, yeah, I just, uh, you know, will try to make them laugh for as long as I can, but they're not going to laugh for an hour and 20 minutes. It's just not possible. <laughs> well, we'll be laughing, I'm sure. Jerry, really appreciate your time today. Best of luck on this tour. Thank you so much. We'll see you soon. That's Jerry D, comedian and also the host of Family Feud Canada. Check out Jerry D alone on a stage, Hamilton's first Ontario concert hall this Thursday night. For tickets and future tour dates, jerryd.com. He'll be playing St. Catharines on October the 11th and Brantford on February the 3rd. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Tim Hortons Binbrook and Empowerment Squared teaming up once again for the 2020 Smile Cookie Campaign. This is going to go from September 19th to the 25th, where 100% of the Smile Cookie donations are going to go to some awesome local programs. Leo Johnson is the executive director at Empowerment Squared, and Kara Kinnish is a franchisee at Tim Hortons Binbrook and joins us now. Leo, Kara, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Hey, Leo, we'll start with you. When is uh, this, uh, or how, how is this going to work between September 19th and, uh, and the 25th? Oh, there's going to be a flurry of activities, and we are excited this year to be under some type of normal circumstances where we can engage the community more. So we're going to be everything from baking cookies to, to decorating them to um, selling cookies as many as we can. So we're calling out the community to come out to support like they've always done. We're really looking forward to a very successful year and special thanks to Kara as well for making all of this happen. Kara, how many smile cookies are you planning to bake and how quickly do these things fly off the shelves? Oh my goodness, we're hoping for 40,000 this year. Wow. Um, It's going to be unbelievable and uh, we can't keep them on the shelf. It's going to be insane. People don't just usually buy one, right? It's like a half a dozen or a dozen or more. Oh, yeah, usually more. I would say minimum a dozen, um, easy to go. And then uh, we're very fortunate that a lot of people will usually just give us, um, you know, extra extra change, their $20 and tell us to keep it. So That is awesome. Leo, what are the proceeds from the campaign going to be used for? Um, this is amazing, the amazing part of it all. The proceeds from the campaign would be used to support Empowerment Square programs where we support 
anywhere around 200 to 250 newcomer and racialized youth in Hamilton um, with academic mentoring, sports and recreation, and their parents and families as well with um, adapting and integrating into Canada. Especially when it comes to education, we're really excited over the last two years with COVID, this has been a tremendous support to the organization in keeping our doors open to support hundreds of families. And I would guess, Leo, that, uh, listen, with immigration levels rising, we, we have seen an influx of Ukrainian refugees as well because of the war in Ukraine. This sounds like a very much needed program in our community. It is much needed because we are overwhelmed. Um, we we, we got to be very honest um, with ourselves. Um, and we can say all we want, especially when it comes to young people um, adapting and often leaving their homeland in turmoil, sometimes on, under the threat of war and everything else. It's not as simple. And sometimes we, we want the education system to be everything, right, to them. Um, and the truth is our education system is just not equipped to take everything on or they're overwhelmed and resources are thin. So this is a, a great opportunity. In fact, we've partnered with the Hamilton when we're district school board now um, so that this program or some of the programs we run for newcomers are very intentional to make sure we are setting them up for success when they get here, or else um, they, the, the situation gets worse for all of us later on down the road if they are not successful. Our guests on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Cara Kinnish, franchisee at Tim Hortons Bimbrook, and Leo Johnson, Executive Director of Empowerment Squared. They're teaming up once again for the 2022 Smile Cookie Campaign, where 100% of the proceeds through this initiative will go to the amazing programs at Empowerment Squared. Kicks off September 19th, one week from today, goes all the way to the 25th. Uh, Cara, why is it important to give back to organizations like Empowerment Squared? You know what, I was completely drawn in by the passion of Leo and his team. And I think that, you know, we have this this duty to our community to be able to give back and to make an impact and make a difference. And, you know, I can see exactly where those proceeds go and where that funding goes and really the, the impact that it does make in our community. Leo, do you have a fundraising goal in mind? We do. And I would say our fundraising goal is to be number one this year across the country. So keep supporting us. Don't let a ceiling stop you because we want this <laughs> to not be our limit. Because um, this year we really want to show, I mean, in the midst of COVID, our communities were incredible in supporting us. So we're looking forward to making that history to hit number one across the country this year. So if you can help us raise 50000 let's go for it. But we don't want to set a limit because we want to blow it out of the waters. That's a great approach. Leo, Cara, really appreciate your time today. Best of luck with the campaign. And hopefully we can raise as much money as we can. Amazing. Thank you so much. That's Leo Johnson, Executive Director of Empowerment Squared, and Cara Kenish, franchisee Tim Hortons Bimbrook. The 2022 Smile Cookie Campaign runs from September 19th to the 25th, 100% of the proceeds going to Empowerment Squared in this community. They have some amazing programs. To find out more, you can go to their website, empowermentsquared.org, and find out where your donation, where your money is going to be going really cool program you're listening to the good morning hamilton podcast from 900 chml great event coming up this coming wednesday at the city hall forecourt here in hamilton it's the ywca's walk a mile in their shoes event sarah ernest is the director of philanthropy and communications at ywca hamilton and joins us now sarah good morning how are you Hey, Rick. Good morning. I'm great. How are you? I'm fantastic. I noticed that there's a new name for this event, but the same focus, correct? New name, same focus. That's correct. Yes, we've uh, we've made the decision to change our name uh, from Walk a Mile in Her Shoes to Walk a Mile in Their Shoes. 
Um, and that's an, a very important decision we made at the YWCA because we know that in addition to women and girls experiencing violence, that the two-spirit LGBTQIA plus community uh, actually experiences violence at a much higher rate than anyone else. So we wanted to make sure as a community, as an organization, that we are being fully inclusive and advocating for all survivors of violence um, because everyone in our Hamilton community deserves to feel safe. And within that sphere, Indigenous women and girls are greatly impacted by violence as well. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Indigenous women and girls have a disproportionate um, impact by violence. Um, unfortunately, in our Hamilton community, um, in addition to immigrant women and refugees, so our work at the YWCA Hamilton prioritizes uh, violent, recovery from violence and trauma um, and working with marginalized communities who have experienced violence. So that is Indigenous women, newcomer women, um, and again, the LGBTQ plus community in addition to, to women and girls. Now, to combat that, this event is being held this coming Wednesday. It goes, Ooh. as I mentioned, at the City Hall Court starting at 11. And I understand right. uh, you're closing in on the fundraising goal pretty quick here. We are. We're, we're getting so close. We are. Our goal is to raise $150,000, and every dollar supports life-changing, life-saving supports for survivors. We are so close. We are right now at 79% to our goal. Hmm. We have six or 262 registered walkers, 54 teams, and we are calling on Hamilton uh, to help us close the gap by Wednesday and raise the remaining 31000 that we need to keep survivors safe. So we're, we're really encouraging folks, if you can, um, make a donation online, ywcahamilton.org, and you can actually choose to support the event in general, or you can um, choose a walker or a team that you want to lend your support to. So we're getting so close. We're almost there. <laughs> Is there still room to take part as well on Wednesday? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So registration still open. We will be closing online registration uh, Tuesday. However, you can still register right up until the walk starts. So still time to register. It is uh, $42 in in-person registration fee. That includes your walk. You get a walker bag, a lunch, um, uh, opportunity to access the different prizes that we have on event day. Um, and then we have free virtual registration. So anyone who wants to lend their support but might not be able to be in town can actually participate virtually uh, for no cost at all. Um, and student registration we have this year, which is $6 uh, for any students to participate and get the full event experience for only 6 bucks. So still time to register. Um, you can do it online or, of course, show up on event day and we can do registration right on the spot. Those are great options. Again, you can register online at ywcahamilton.org. We're in discussion with Sarah Ernest, the Director of Philanthropy and Communications at the YWCA Hamilton, about this Wednesday's Walk a Mile in Their Shoes. You mentioned some of the programs that the funding is going to benefit. Is there yeah. one or two that speaks uh, to to uh, what's very much needed in this community? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So a lot of the work that we do at YWCA Hamilton is rooted around uh, homelessness. Um, and supporting survivors of violence. So one of our programs in particular that benefit um, from Walk-A-Mile is our Phoenix Place program, and that is second-stage housing for women and children who are fleeing gender-based violence. Um, it is a home in a confidential location in Hamilton. Um, we have a number of families there, and they receive uh, not only housing, but a full suite of supports and services, counseling, um, safety planning, you know, the things that they need to help get back on their feet. 
um, Walk a Mile is helping to fund that program. And that's in addition to a lot of folks are familiar with our transitional living program, uh, which is downtown at McNabb, uh, where we're providing uh, safety support and housing for 65 women uh, within our residence uh, at McNabb. So Walk a Mile really provides the funds that we need for the programs that are unfunded in our city um, and that we unfortunately have to do fundraising for, even though they're so, they're so critical in our community. I recall years ago uh, when this event was first launched that men who participated in the event would walk yep. uh, in high heel shoes, but there are yep. different options out there. It doesn't just have yeah. to be high heels. That's right. Yeah, we encourage folks to bring your own shoes. We, we do still have the beloved red heels um, on event day. It is first come, first serve. But we really encourage folks to, um, you know, bring their own bring their own shoes, and it's really about wearing red. And we encourage folks to wear red as a symbol of strength and solidarity when walking with and alongside survivors. So bring your shoes, bring a sign. It is a march. Um, we we have activations leading up uh, to the actual walk and an award ceremony. Um, this year we have our MC Lohifa Pogason Acker is our MC for the event. Um, we'll have some remarks from our volunteer of the year, Raphael Tomchuk. He is a registered nurse at St. Joe's, um, a big advocate for us. So we're going to have some a great afternoon, and, and folks, bring their shoes, wear our shoes, bring a sign, use one of our signs. Um, really exciting. And, and again, lunch will be provided. Um, and I saw, so Kara and, uh, and Leo were on right before. Mm-hmm talking about Smile Cookies, and um, we actually partnered with Empowerment Squared for Walk a Mile with Smile Cookies, so our lunches um, that will go to all walkers will actually have Smile Cookies inside them to support Empowerment Squared all at the same time. Win, 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 and the weather forecast on Wednesday, sunny and 25, so perfect weather for walking a mile in their shoes. Uh, Sarah, really appreciate your time today. Best of luck on Wednesday. Thank you so much. Great chatting. That's Sarah Ernest, Director of Philanthropy and Communications at the YWCA Hamilton. You can get more information, donate, register, participate, ywcahamilton.org. A tremendous event. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. If you're over the age of 55, odds are you only have four friends that you can count on. Pretty sobering stat. It's in a new poll from one poll of 2,000 Americans over the age of 55, and it really highlights the state of loneliness and social inactivity among older adults. Uh, The one poll survey shows 19% of older adults feel lonely more than half the week. 77% admit their social circle has shrunk as they've gotten older, and 48% say they've stopped being friends with at least three people in the last couple of years alone. So during the pandemic, they've lost three friends, which is it's not good. It's kind of sad. LaToya Shea is a spiritual life coach and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. LaToya, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Really excited to be here. This is this is kind of, as, as I said, a, a sad kind of story. If you're over the age of 55, you only have four friends that you can count on. What are your thoughts on this? Yes, uh, it, it's really sad. But you know what? I'm also a true believer of quality over quantity. So as we get older and, and, and things kind of change, we evolve and some, some you know, we lose um, because of death, but others we just outgrow. Why is this happening? Is it 
the older we get, is it uh, are we less trusting of others? Do we just don't have time for a, a lot of friendships? Uh, I think it's both. And, uh, you know, we, especially with everything that's going on, and, and definitely COVID did not help. Um, and, you know, as older adults are more susceptible um, to illnesses and, and, and um, tragic symptoms. So um, every, people have been trying to stay safe and seclude themselves. But also, um, a lot of people have been burnt and they're uh, less trusting. And, and, and also, with COVID, people, a lot of people have moved away um, to uh, better neighborhoods where they're, especially I'm in New York, a lot of people um, moved out of New York to um, states where they're in areas where they can have more uh, space and it's not so congested. Is it also a fact, and this may be for the older working population, is that they no longer have to go into the office, they can work from home, and that kind of changed the friendship landscape? Yes, it does. It changes the dynamics of things because usually most people uh, make friendships during, you know, their younger years, during college and stuff. So as uh, their activities um, dwindle down, then the the, the locations where they can uh, make meaningful relationships are limited also. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is LaToya Shea, spiritual life coach. You can find out more information online at latoyashea.com, and that's S-H-E-A dot com. Uh, We're talking about a study from one poll that uh, shows that if you're over the age of 55, odds are that you only have four friends that you can count on, and 19% of older adults feel lonely more than half the week. All right, let's let's, uh, focus on the positive here, because... As this study also shows that 83% of older adults feel it's never too late to find a new friend. So what tips do you have on how older adults can make new friends? Uh, absolutely. Well, there are many, many new things um, that's available. Uh, and while it's a little more difficult because a lot of things are on social media um, right now, there are events and locations that are specifically for adults uh, 50 and over. It depends on your location, of course. But you just pop into Google and type that in and you'll see there are many activities for um, older adults because we are living longer now. You know, 50 is the new 30. <laughs> that That's certainly the case. This poll also shows that 40% of respondents want to travel, and that's probably a great way to meet new people and maybe strike a couple of new friendships, too. Yes, and and I'm a big, big supporter of traveling. Um, You not only get to meet new friends, but you get to see, um, uh, you get to expand your horizon and see different ways of living and get to appreciate life more and relationships even more. That, that That's a great point, too. This poll also shows that 39% want to improve their health, so they're living longer. And they want to do so healthy as well. So uh, great tips, great advice. And if you are 55 and older, uh, really seek out some of the things that LaToya has just mentioned, and you'll uh, strike a, a, a few new friendships along the way. LaToya, really appreciate your time today. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you down the road. Thank you so much. Have a good one.
Thanks again to LaToya Shea, spiritual life coach based in New York City. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.